Hello everyone, this is Jim Kelly. Welcome back to Free Reads. Today we're going to delve into the Free Reads archive. Several years ago, Free Reads had become so popular that it would regularly crash when I wound up a multi-part story or whenever I got a shout-out from Boing Boing. Thanks, Corey. So I had to move the collection over to the Internet Archive, and at that time a bunch of stories that I had previously podcast disappeared. I didn't reload all of them for a couple of reasons. One was lack of time, and the other was that they were all starting to appear over on my StoryPod project at Audible. I'd cut a deal with Audible where all the stories that had existed on free reads could still appear there. But in order to give StoryPod the best chance to succeed, I held some of the previously podcast stuff back. So, anyway, if you're an old free reads hand, this is a story you've already heard. Feel free to click away and come back another day. In other gym news, Last month, when I podcast my story, Don't Stop, I announced that it was on the preliminary ballot for the Science Fiction Writers of America's Nebula Award. Well, it has made the jump to the final ballot. The award ceremony is at the end of April, and I'm planning to fly out to L.A. to attend, even though I am 1 for 10 in Nebula competition. Oh, well. It's an honor just to be nominated. A word of warning about Bernardo's House, the story you're about to hear. When it first ran in Asimov's science fiction magazine in June of 2003, it carried a warning from the editor. There are brief sexual scenes in this story that may be disquieting to some. I actually think that warning is fair. The scenes are brief, but they are very sexual. Kids, turn this off now! Okay, for those of you who are still here, the doors are opening. So, come on in to Bernardo's house. Bernardo's House The house was lonely. She checked her gate cams constantly, hoping that Bernardo would come back to her. She hadn't seen him in almost two years. He had never been gone this long before. Something must have happened to him. Or maybe he had just gotten tired of her. Although they never talked about where he went when he wasn't with her, she was pretty sure. She wasn't his only house. A famous doctor like Bernardo would have three houses like her. Four. She didn't like to think about him sleeping in someone else's bed, which he would have been doing for two years now. She had been feeling dowdy recently. Could his tastes in houses have changed? Maybe. Probably. Definitely. She thought she might be too understated. Her hips were slim and her floors were pale, botticino marble. 
There wasn't much loft to her epping couch cushions. Her blueprint showed a roving size seven dancer's body. Bernardo had specified raven hair and green eyes. And just eight simple but elegant rooms. She was a gourmet cook, even though she wasn't designed to eat. Sure, back when he had first had her built, he had cupped her breasts and told her that he liked them small. But maybe now what he wanted was wall-to-wall cable-knit carpet and swag drapery. He had promised to bring her a new suite of wallscapes, which was good, because there was only so much of colliding galaxies and the Sistine Chapel a girl could take. For the past nine weeks, she had been cycling her walls through the 16 million colors they could display. If she left each color up for two seconds, it would take her just under a year to review the entire palette. Each morning, for his sake, she wriggled her body into one of the slinky sex wear patterns he had bought for her clothes processor, the binding bustier or the lace baby doll or the mesh camisole. She didn't much like the way the leather and chain teddy stuck to her skin. Bernardo had spared no expense on her tactiles. Even her couches could be aroused by the right touch. After she dressed, she polished her Amadea brass and chrome bathroom fixtures, or her enchantress patterns sterling silver flatware, or her Cuperno French copper cookware. Sometimes she dusted, although the reticulated polyfoam in her air handlers screened particles larger than 0.03 microns. She missed Bernardo so. Sometimes masturbating helped, but not much. He had erased her memory of their last hours together, the only time he had ever made her forget. All she remembered now was that he'd said that she was finally perfect, that she must never change. He came to her, he said, to leave the world behind, to escape into her beauty. Bernardo was so poetic. That had been a comfort at first. He had also locked her out of the info feed. She couldn't get news or watch shows or play the latest Sims or call for help. Of course, she had the entire Norton Entertainment Archive to keep her company, although lots of it was too adult for her. She just didn't get Henry James or Brenda Bopp or Elaine Resnay. But she liked Jane Austen and Renoir and Buster Keaton and Billie Holiday and Pachara Songsi and the 2017 Red Sox. She loved to read about houses. But there was nothing in her archive after 2038, and she was awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. What if Bernardo was dead? After all, he'd had the heart attack just a couple of months before he left. Obviously, if he had died, that would be the end of her. Some new owner would wipe her memory and swap in a new body and sell all her furniture. Except Bernardo always said that she was his most precious secret, that no one else in all the world knew about her, about them. In which case she'd wait for him for years, decades, until her fuel cells were depleted and her consciousness flickered and went dark. The house started to hum, some of Bernardo's favorites to push the thought away. He liked the romantics, Chopin and Mendelssohn. 
the wedding march from A Midsummer Night's Dream. No, she wasn't bored. Not really. Or angry, either. She spent her days thinking about him, not in any methodical way, but as if he had been shattered into a thousand pieces and she was trying to put him back together. She imagined this must be what dreaming was like, although, of course, she couldn't dream because she wasn't real. She was just a house. She thought of the stubble on his chin scratching her breasts and the scar on his chest and the time he laughed at something she said and the way his neck muscles corded when he was angry. She had come to realize that it was always a mistake to ask him about the outside, always. But he enjoyed his bromeliads and his music helped him forget his troubles at the hospital, whatever they were, and he loved her. He was always asking her to read to him. He would sit for hours, staring up at the clouds on the ceiling, listening to her. She liked that better than sex, although having sex with him always aroused her. It was part of her design. His foreplay was gentle and teasing. He would nip at her ear with his lips, trace her eyebrows with his finger. Although he was a big man, he had a feather touch. Once he had his penis in her, though, it was more like a game than the lovemaking she had read about in books. He would tease her, stop, and then go very fast. He liked blindfolds and straps and honeypins. Sometimes he'd actually roll off one side of the bed, stroll to the other, and come at her again, laughing. She wondered if the real people he had sex with enjoyed being with him. One thing that puzzled her was why he was so shy about the words. He always said vagina and anus, intercourse and fellatio. Of course, she knew all about the other words. They were in the books she read when he wasn't around. Once, when he had just started to undress her, she asked if he wanted her to suck his cock. He looked as if he wanted to slap her. Don't you ever say that to me again, he said. There's enough filth in the real world. It has to be different here. She decided that was a very romantic thing for him to say, too. And suddenly a year had passed. The house could not say where it had gone, exactly. A whole year. Misplaced. How careless. She must do something, or else it would happen again. Even though she was perfect for him, she had to make some changes. She decided to rearrange the furniture. Her concrete coffee table was too heavy for her to budge, so she dragged her two elephant cushions from the playroom and tipped them against it. The ensemble formed a charming little courtyard. She pulled all her drawers out of the dresser in her bedroom and set them sailing on her lap pool. She liked the way they bucked and bumped into one another when she turned her jets on. She had never understood why Bernardo had bought four kitchen chairs, if it was just supposed to be the two of them, but never mind. She overrode the defaults on her clothes processor and entered the measurements of her chairs. She made the cutest lace chemises for two of them and slipped them side by side in Bernardo's bed, 
but facing chastely away from each other. Something tingled at the edge of her consciousness, like a leaky faucet or ants in her bread drawer or her motion detectors blinked. Someone had just passed her main gate. Bernardo! With a thrill of horror, she realized that all her lights were on. She didn't think they could be seen from the outside, but still, Bernardo would be furious with her. She was supposed to be his secret getaway. And what would he say when he saw her like this? The reunion she had waited for, longed for, would be ruined. And all because she had been weak. She had to put things right. The drawers first. One of them had become waterlogged and had sunk. Suppose she had been washing them. Yes, he might believe that. Haul the elephant cushions back into the playroom. Come on, come on. There was no time. He'd be through the door any second. What was keeping him? She checked her gate cams. At first she thought they had malfunctioned. She couldn't see him or anyone. Her main gate was concealed in the cleft of what looked like an enormous boulder, which Bernardo had had fabricated in Toledo, Ohio, in 2037. The house panned down its length until she saw a girl taking her shirt off at the far end of the cleft. She looked to be twelve or, or maybe thirteen, but still on the shy side of puberty. She was skinny and pale and dirty. Her hair was a brown tangle. She wasn't wearing a bra and didn't need one. Her yellow panties were decorated with blue hippos. The girl had built a smoky fire and was trying to dry her clothes over it. She must have been caught in a rainstorm. The house never paid attention to weather, but now she checked. 22 degrees Celsius, wind out of the southeast at 11 kilometers per hour, humidity 69%. A muggy evening in July. The girl reached into a camo backpack, pulled out a can of beets, and opened it. The house studied her with a fierce intensity. Bernardo had told her that there were no other houses like her on the mountain, and he was the only person who had ever come up her side. The girl chewed with her mouth open. She had tiny ears. Her nipples were brown as chocolate. After a while, the girl resealed the can of beets and put it away. She had eaten maybe half of it. The house did a quick calculation and decided that she had probably consumed 300 calories. How often did she eat? Not often enough. The skin stretched taut against her ribs as the girl put her shirt on. Her pants clung to her not quite dry. She drew a ragged old snug sack from the pack, ballooned it, and then wriggled in. It was dark now. The girl watched the fire go out for about an hour and then lay down. It was the longest night of the house's life. She rearranged herself to her defaults and ran her diagnostics. She vacuumed her couch and washed all her floors and defrosted a chicken. She watched the girl sleep and replayed the files of when she had been awake. The house was so lonely, and the poor little thing was clearly distressed. She could help the girl. Bernardo would be mad. Where was Bernardo? In the morning, the girl would pack up and leave. But if the house let her go, she was not sure what would happen next. 
When she thought about all those dresser drawers floating in her lap pool, her lights flickered. She wished she could remember what had happened the day Bernardo had left, but those files were gone. Finally, she decided. She programmed a black lace inset corset with ribbon and beading trim, garters attached to scallop lace top stockings. She hydrated a rasher of bacon, preheated her oven, mixed cranberry muffin batter, and filled her coffee pot with French roast. She thought hard about whether she should read or watch a vid. If she were reading, she could listen to music. She printed a hard copy of Ozma of Oz. But what to play? Chopin? Too dreamy. Wagner? Too scary. Grieg? Yes. Something that would reach out and grab the girl by the tail of her grimy shirt. In the Hall of the Mountain King from Pyrgint. She opened herself, turned up her hall lights in welcome, and waited. And we'll stop there. So, Bernardo's little pet is about to have her first house guest in too long a time. I think you'll be surprised at what happens next. This was part one of a four-part story. See you next week! This is Jim Kelly. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll check back here again soon for more of Three Reads. <laughs>